Hello, simpletons. You're listening to the Minimalist Private Podcast. We're here today with a very special guest. We've got Aaron Alexander. He wrote this book called The Align Method. We're going to be talking about the Align Method today. By the way, Aaron, thanks for being here. Yeah, man. Thanks Thank for being here. Thank you for having me. But I've, how, how I've, dare you outhandsome me, though? I don't like it. I, don't. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. Ryan, he, he's the that. first guest who ever <laughs> snuck into the studio, by the way. All of a sudden, I heard a knock on the door. So we're in a building that has a locked door, locked gates. Yeah, Mallory's standing out front with a gun. Sure. No, it's impenetrable, right? <laughs> it's, we live in the rough part of West Hollywood. <laughs> uh, that actually is true. But, <laughs> but anyway, the, the, the weird thing, Aaron, today, I don't know what he, if he scaled the building or what he did to get here. Mm. But he said he snuck through the garage. What, I had what some, happened? I had, some, I had some wire cutters. Oh. <laughs> Always travel with a pair of wire cutters. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> I want to yeah. talk to you today about movement. We're actually doing this in reverse. We usually record our minimal episode first and then the maximal. But I wanted to start with the maximal because we were going to make some space. In fact, we cleared our, our coffee table and some other things. And if there's time, I figured you could show us some movements yeah, yeah, because sure, be your book is fundamentally about movement, functional movement. Mm. What um what? What inspired you to to finally go the the book route to talk about? Because you have so many exercises. I I feel as a relatively move a, a movement oriented person, a person who who appreciates functional movement. I still feel overwhelmed sometimes. And so, mm. what 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 took you down this road? I think for that reason exactly, and to get out of the the space of overwhelm with there's always something more that we need to do, which is very minimalistic, yeah. you know, or, or the idea of the alive method is very minimalistic. Uh -huh. It's not, not that we need to add more reps or sets or activities or exercises in. It's just about slightly changing what I describe as like changing the angle of your golf club, you know, a couple degrees, mm -hmm. which in the immediate moment, it's like, oh, maybe like, you know, not that huge of a deal. But then that's the difference between the ball landing on the fairway and landing, you know, in the rough mm. with regularity. And so right. educating people on how can we start to change the angle of our golf clubs, or in this case, like our hips or our feet or our eyes or the way that we breathe, yeah. the way that we communicate so that uh, in one year, 10 years, 50 years, we're in a place where we still can get up and down up off of the ground. We mm -hmm. still feel vital. We still feel durable. We feel strong. We feel flexible. Mm -hmm. We feel optimistic. We feel sovereign, autonomous. Yes. Um, you know, and, and an interesting thing, just in relation to like the getting up and down off the ground, that's the number one leading reason that elderly need assisted living. Ball mm. risk. Yes. If like you fall, that, it's you're stuck. That's has nothing to do with being a human that's 100 percent an aberration of modern culture and a divorcing oh, wow. ourselves of getting up and down off of the ground and how did, how did we get wow. there and the reason i asked is because in my teens and 20s i was i was ryan when ryan and i met we were fat little fifth graders i was literally the most obese kid in school and i was that. the second most obese kid in yes school. <laughs> <laughs> and and i'll tell you that i had no functional movement even by age 12 i i felt like i mean i was so overweight but then in my 20s a time where you're supposed to be so like spry and thriving i was sort of the opposite i was so sedentary working desk jobs and sitting in the car and driving around from place to place and not really moving yeah and so 
How do we get there? Because we seem to get there way before we turn 60, 70, 80 years old. It's happening when we're teens. Humans, what makes us incredible is our capacity to adapt. Mm -hmm. So we can adapt to literally any circumstance, including growing up eating McDonald's or Burger King or sitting in a chair all day or staring into a phone or a screen. Mm. Literally, the, the, the structural muscles, the ciliary muscles, the muscles that change the shape of your lens to refract, refract light mm-hmm. so you can actually see a clear image, those muscles are contracting when you're looking up close at an image. So when you're looking mm. at your phone, those muscles in your eye, are they're doing like a little bench press. Okay. All right, so they're changing the shape of that lens. No, so your body, if you're continually in that visual range of motion all the time, then the other ranges can begin to hypertrophy and become, le- or not hypertrophy, sorry, atrophy, yeah. and become less strong. Mm. You know, and you become overly, uh, overly engaged in one direction mm-hmm. in the way that you use your eyes and the way that you use your, you know, structural muscles and sitting and standing and communication. You know, and so um, we become the shape of our environment. You know, so mm-hmm. our environment, if you would look around, if you'd actually do like a little mini audit of most people's days, mm-hmm. you know, you guys are making a choice to stand while you do this, mm-hmm. which is great. I'd recommend being on the floor would be even greater. Oh, wow. And we can talk Lay about down why. on the floor, Ryan, immediately. <laughs> <laughs> sitting, so sitting, so, so if you were to look at like, just look at a, a, a kid, uh-huh. like kids truly, I mean, it sounds like cliche and annoying to say, but kids truly are teachers. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you're around a kid, oh, man. pre five years old, uh-huh. pre kindergarten. Yes. Yeah. You know, which which that's the, the key to kindergarten starts to change them. Oh wow, right. that's when they start to sit in the desks and stuff. Wow, yeah, and that's an interesting thing with with. I mean, I think language is very relevant and powerful. And uh, kindergarten is it means being being raised raised in the garden, like raised in nature. Mm. You know, so kindergarten. <laughs> Wait a minute, kinder, kindergarten <laughs> ideally would be a place where it's like nature is 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 forming us. Yes. You know, we become influenced by the shape and the structure of our environment. If you just put a kid outside, they become they there's ciliary muscles, all the visual muscles are going to expand and relax mm. and they're going to look out into the distance and that visual system when you're taking in the the panorama, mm-hmm. that's sending a cue to your autonomic nervous system that it's okay to be calm. Mm. It's okay to rest. It's okay to digest and, mm. you know, restore because you're not under threat. You're not under attack. Yeah. And yeah. when you, you focus your visual muscles in on one specific point, uh-huh. use that myopic vision that sends an indication to your autonomic nervous system that some, some stuff needs to get done. There's a threat, there's a predator. It's like executive function go. Mm. And so if you just place a person out into the nature for example, or just open a window in your house, you know, mm. and just look out. It literally, it pulls on the levers and the toggles inside your internal physiology. You don't need to do anything. Yeah. There's no new workout that you needed to do. There's no like perfect routine. <laughs> you just need to place yourself into the environment and allow yourself to be played by the environment. Yes. Mm. That is fitness. And this is the, the sort of the fundamentals when we talk about with minimalism. You don't do simplifying you don't do decluttering yeah we we often there's this 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 idea of like if i could just organize my life in a way if i could just do my life if i could perform my life if i could improve my life what you're really talking about is it's not about improving it's about allowing the environment to it's about it's about 
fitting in with the environment. And so unfortunately, we do the opposite of improve ourselves. We sit down for 8, 10, 12, 14 hours, 16 hours a day. Yeah. And, and, and we've conditioned our bodies. We've turned off a lot of the muscles that we would otherwise use just naturally. Yeah. And it seems to me that your book is, is about that to a great extent is it's allowing yourself to sort of turn a lot of those muscles back on. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, like, it's like turning the lights back on in a room. Like you have mm. this amazing mansion of a house, mm. you know, or castle or temple or whatever visualization you prefer. And there's a, bunch of rooms all throughout that it's just off and it's just cobwebs and maybe there's some hoarders, you know, just like (laughs) stacking boxes and dead cats and rats. And it's like, oh my God, like, don't go into that room. Mm. Uh. That room might be someplace in your spine, someplace in your hips, someplace in your pelvic floor, someplace Mm. in your feet. And it's just like, we just don't know how to enter into that space. Mm -hmm. And so then we just close the door and just allow it to fester and fester and fester and then eventually someday something starts to smell and you're like you're sniffing around you know and you're like there's something going on in that room i think i need to see a doctor to open this door and see what the hell is going on Uh and then you're like oh boy we should have addressed this when you were 12 yes or 22 or 32 or whatever Uh this has been building and building and building yes and it's a product of taking ourselves out in the book i I describe i'm like big on spending time on the ground Mm. Which it's not, it's fine if we're not on the ground all day long, Mm -hmm. but just at some point throughout our days, you know, throw like a comfy rug or some floor cushions or something like that in your house so that it provides the option to just go through that full range of motion of getting all the way up and all the way down. Mm. As you're going through that full range of motion, you are literally, maybe figuratively, kind of literally, but certainly figuratively tuning your musculoskeletal system. Mm. You're elongating the muscles that need to be elongated. You're contracting the muscles. You're moving all the lymphatic fluid. You know, you're, you're bringing all the vital fluids into those joints that were at one, at one point maybe just those shadowy dark spaces that haven't been moved for a while. Right. Mm. You just getting all the way up and down off of the ground, that simple thing that every person that has healthy hips free of osteoarthritis, healthy knees free of osteoarthritis, something like a... I think it's like a 30 mid 30 billion dollar industry osteoarthritis and and hip replacements oh, in wow. the United States hip wow. replacements and knee replacements if, if I'm getting that number correct it's huge industry yes you know and that's a thing that's like we are it's a product of us, us just divorcing ourselves from having a relationship from those parts in our body yeah and that's because if we become the shape of an environment that the hips never go below the height of the knees, then the body, those become like, those those parts of you become like, like, like vis, vestigial. Like they become like this old kind of like antique part of yourself. Mm. Like, oh, I remember that. <laughs> that range of motion. We uh. used to do that when I was seven. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true though. Yeah. My, my daughter who's eight, ever since she was could walk, I always would compliment her on her squats, right? Because... Yeah naturally a two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old has an amazing squat. And she would stay seated in a squat position playing for minutes and then hours, you know, going yeah. back and forth. Yeah, I've been fascinated by the Hadza over the last few years yeah. in Tanzania. And I think one of the misconceptions we have about the more quote-unquote primitive people, which sounds pejorative, but to me it's like a compliment, mm. um, is 
they are also sedentary for large chunks of the day, but it's almost a different kind of sedentary from how we are sedentary. Mm. When we're sedentary, it's on a couch or in a desk chair. And it's eating some sort of chips mm-hmm. or something, right? Yeah. It's staring at a glowing screen. Yeah. And the Hadza, when they're sedentary, they may be in a deep squat with mm-hmm. the rest of the community. Yep. Communing wow. with others, right? Yeah. And so it's not a constant. They're not working out. They're not at Planet Fitness or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But they are working out in, in a different way. Yeah. Um, and so... It's you're what you're talking about is more tapping into that than it is tapping into a bunch of just different exercises. Yes, it's it's saying you the fact that you're in resting positions, which is what the hots are are in on average 9.82 hours per day. There's research from University of Southern California uh, that they actually went out, strapped a bunch of devices to hots of people's hips and knees to measure how much movement they're going throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And on average, it's about the same as industrialized populations, which is like, you know, nine and a half hours or so. Mm -hmm. And so you sitting or standing throughout the day, you don't have to feel this burden of like, oh my God, I need to be like hunting and gathering or I'm going to (laughs) get, you know, cancer or something. I need my 40,000 steps. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's like, no, like, like, the human rests. <laughs> put it on a shirt. The human rests. You know, like that's. <laughs> yeah. So, so like that's what we do well. We're inherently very lazy. You know, that's what right. our brains do. That's what our bodies do. Like it's it's always looking for ways to conserve energy more effectively. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're not gonna just if you're a hunter gatherer whatever thing and you're actually living off of the land, you're not gonna just be like. Tybo guy. You're like, no, like hold the calories. Yeah, I need those. Yeah. That's how we should do our podcast, just jogging in place. (laughs) But so what the way that you rest, like you already mentioned, I wonder if you've actually seen that specific study. Um, but you're gonna be resting uh in a deep squat position, which is just a natural human resting position. Yeah. It's not a malasana, it's not like anything fancy. You're just rest. You're just a dude hanging out, smoking a cigarette, waiting for your bus <laughs> like, in Vietnam. Like that's what that is, uh-huh. right? Wow. It's nothing spiritual, mm. you know. And if you're in a place where people they see you squat and they're like, "Whoa, dude, are you like a yogi? Are you like CrossFit?" <laughs> you know, it's like clearly that's an indication that you're in a, a, a sick culture, yes, or at least a culture that's lacking full functional range of motion in their bodies. Mm-hmm. Because if you saw a little kid doing that, very healthy, sprightly, full of life, whatever, you wouldn't be like, oh, wow, like, he's a yogi. (laughs) No, he's a human being. (laughs) Like, that's what he is. (laughs) You know, and so when you're going through those ranges of motion, Mm -hmm. you're taking your ankles through a full range of motion, you're taking your knees, you're taking your hips, you're opening up the pelvic floor muscles. Mm -hmm. You know, the the adult diaper industry is slowly exceeding that of the the, the baby diaper industry. In Japan, it already has. Oh, my goodness. There you are. Wow. You know, and so once again, these are things that we've normalized sickness. Oh yeah, yeah. that's and and if you're a person that's not kind of sick, it's like weird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you're a person that does the things that allows your body to become restored and rejuvenated and go through all the ranges of motion in like as natural a way as you can, people look at it and like, oh wow, like what's going on there? 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, like wild. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's like wild. You're an outlier being healthy. <laughs> I mean, the weird thing is when you see someone like Aaron or our friend Paul Saladino, yeah. which I think how we connected with Aaron yeah. or well, Rich Roll. Ben Greenfield. Yeah. 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 Any of, of these folks, my wife. Yeah. You know, yeah. my wife, Beck, she should be 40 this year. And like, she's one of the, she's a paragon of health, you know, she, but, uh, and she could, Really, what you're saying is she can do regular human movements <laughs> without pain. That's right. Wow. That's right. But right now, but because she's <laughs> an outlier, right. she's the paragon of health. Like, yeah. when really, that should be the normal. What, what, the what is the stat? The 88% of Americans are metabolically unhealthy, mm, which yeah. is also an indicator. Probably they're also going to be, you know, in terms of whatever their, their functional movement is, they're going to lack in some way if you're metabolically unhealthy. Mm-hmm. You, you, you talk about how just being able to get up without using your hands is, is a pretty good indicator of, um, well, of over, overall human health. Yeah, that's, expand on yeah, that? yeah, that's the, and so before, so that's called the sit rising test, which there's been some research around that to suggest that, uh, every point of contact that you need to use to, you know, push yourself off of the ground with your hands or mm-hmm. push onto your knees or kind of like all that, mm-hmm. each one of those points of contact, I have the, the exact specifics in the book. I don't remember exactly what it is, mm-hmm. but essentially it like cuts off some number of years off of a person's life based oh, off of a wow. longitudinal study that they did with wow. a group of people between like, I think it was like late 40s to late 60s or so. I don't remember the specific details of it, but just look yeah, up yeah. sit rising test and you get oh. all, the, all the details. It's also in the book. Well, I might have you do a sit rising test here in a yeah, bit. Yeah, we can do oh, it for we, sure. We, I, we got some questions about flexibility and posture. Before we get into yeah. that, Alabama, she collected some surprise questions for us. We do this little segment called More About Less where we read something as a jump off point. Cool. And so since you got your book here, I want to talk to you about, this is the uh, postural archetypes. Oh, yeah. And you, you talk about the five different postural Postural archetypes. Maybe we could go through these sure. together here. Type one <laughs> is mopey. This I know, is I was, me. I was I was trying to figure out what type I am. Uh-huh. I know I know. Like in um in grade school, I was mopey. Like I had this like really like oh he you remember really that? was I had, yes. Like, I mean, I, I remember one time my friend was like, "Dude, you got like a hunched back." Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I do. <laughs> anyway, he, he's the exact. I, I don't know how you undid that. Yeah. I don't think you intended. I think puberty undid it to you Maybe. at some point. But I do remember there were times where Ryan was very. And I I find myself in this position, especially when I'm seated all the time. And you know, I will sit down. And we have regular chairs. In fact, I wanted to talk about that in a little bit about yep. sitting and the sitting posture. And we got some questions about that. But talk to me about this. This this seems to be the one of the standard types the just the the mopey what does a mopey person look like <laughs> so depression is the number one leading cause of disability worldwide mm. like i'm too sad to do shit mm. uh-huh. like yeah. wow <laughs> yeah it's unbelievable so living in, in a cult and i know that you have um personal experiences that with with your mom based off of what you shared in mm. the in the, the minimalist documentary yeah um you know and, and and so coming to that point of feeling like what's my what's my purpose yeah here like what am i doing here yeah mm. you know am i just here to make another paycheck am i just here to get more stuff right you know am i just here to like get that carrot and yeah. then i get to that carrot and then i have this deeper sensation of of sadness because i don't feel any different mm. yeah you know and and when we're communicating to each other there's a lot of different 
suggestions. Maybe it's a nutritional thing. Maybe it's an environmental thing. Like what's causing this gradual increase in the usage of anti-anxiety medications and antidepressant medications mm. and obesity. It's like over a third of people are obese. Over mm. half people are overweight. And that's just going up, going up, going up every year. You know, self-harm, you know, especially among young people. Yeah. Like we have access to everything. Right. All the health things, all the biohacks. We're right. standing on freaking grounding mats right now. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Like we, we have all the health care, you know, we can inject ourselves with IVs that have all the vitamins and all the stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yet statistically things seem to just be going deeper and deeper into that place of like mm. internal angst. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and, and there's a lot of interesting research that suggests that the term for this is called postural feedback, mm. you know, so the way that we move and express in our bodies kind of like the way that we use our eyes sends a signal into our physiology and our, our autonomic nervous system, our present state. Mm. And so if you were to method act yourself into sadness or into losing, uh -huh. how do you do it? You, you wouldn't do it in a position with the open chest and head. You, you would do it in a way that um, mimics the internal state. Mm. And yet, the opposite seems to also be true. The mm. internal state is what you're suggesting here can be caused by that it's a two postural it's a two deficiency. It's a two-way street. Yeah. Pull in one, you pull in the other. Okay. Right? There's not like, it's not saying like, okay, if you just put your head into forward head posture for two minutes, suddenly you're just going to be sad. Mm. Like, that's ridiculous. Uh -huh. But what's not ridiculous is we're all queued up to be able to perceive visual messages from each other based off of our postural expressions, based off of our facial expressions. Mm -hmm. yeah. So there's a, there's a, a, a um, psychologist called Paul Ekman. I've had him on my podcast. He's like top... 100 most cited psychologists in like the world in history. Okay. Um, and he traveled to Papua New Guinea and various different cultures to explore the uh, facial expressions of these people to see if they have consistent facial expressions with uh, people from the West. And, you know, is facial expressions something that we learn or is it something that's just this universal language that we all communicate? Mm -hmm. And what he found, which was actually going against the belief of Darwin. Darwin thought that that um, it was something that was at least partially learned. Mm. Um, we have this universal language. Every person on the planet gets sad the same postural facial way. Yeah, mm. Every wild. person wins the same way. Every person gets happy the same way. Mm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if you get fake happy, there's a, there's a, it's called smizing. You know, smizing is when you're smiling and you're, you're using your eyes, uh -huh. orbicularis oculi, when you're, when you're engaging the, the muscles of your eyes and around your, your, your mouth to uh -huh. indicate a smile. That's like a more sincere smile. If a person just smiles like, <laughs> I'm really happy. <laughs> I'm having, I'm happy. <laughs> everyone in the room, everyone right. in the room, like, like you know, grasped their purse. So like, dear God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, we have an active shooter. On? <laughs> and so we're continually sending this postural feedback and this mm. facial feedback to each other to indicate how we're all doing. Right. Yeah. And so when someone comes in the room and they have this kind of like, oh, like depressed in the literal sense of of the term depressed, like pulled down. Uh -huh kind of like posture and face and just like the tone of their voice. And just, oh. Yeah. One, you feel that. Yeah. That's how we communicate. We attune to each other. Uh -huh. And if you can't attune to someone else, you're not going to be effective with the communication. Mm -hmm. 
right? You might be on the spectrum. You might have various different things. You might be really amazing at playing the piano, but you you don't. It's relationships are challenging for you because you can't empathize and feel someone. Yeah. No. So those universal languages that is our our postural expressions and facial expressions. Mm -hmm. It's sending information to the world. That world then feeds back to us, reconfirming our state. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so. Uh, Moshe Feldenkrais, he's a guy, the Feldenkrais method, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. He called this the your self-image. It's like your story of who you think you are, mm-hmm. right? If you ever read uh, Don Miguel Ruiz, The Four Agreements, yes. he, he mm-hmm. would call this the your your domestication. Every person, when they're raised, they're domesticated with this idea of who they think they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So there's a difference between this, Moshe Feldenkrais, this, Feldenkrais will call it the your, your inherent immutable self, like that deep, inherent part of you Mm -hmm. that you might feel when you're in love for a moment. Mm -hmm. You might feel when you're at a dance party and you're just like, oh, you're not thinking about who I'm supposed to be. You just are. You're not trying Mm -hmm. to change yourself. Exactly. And so many people, I think it's, you know, we're, we're, we've grown into these certain kind of postural archetypes is Mm -hmm. what I describe in the book. Mm. And it's kind of not the easiest thing to shake ourselves out of that. Because then what if you hang out with your friends, they know you as one person. Yes. And now suddenly you're like, you're confident, awesome, like outspoken guy. Mm-hmm. People are like, whoa, dude, what's going on? Right. <laughs> so there creates a conflict there. And there's oh, yeah. also a conflict just in the sense that you default to your defaults. And if your default is mopey, I catch myself all the time. I'm sitting in a chair. Yeah. I'm writing something and all of a sudden I, I'm like, my posture sucks right now. Dude, I'm, yeah. I'm being so mopey. The whole time I was like uh, listening to the book, like when that section came up, yeah, I did the same exact thing. I was like, oh, like I was like down, like kind of, you know, uh, yeah, like on my phone or looking at the book or something. So I like, had to, you know, stand up. I'm yeah. like, yeah, it's funny. The same thing with the breathing. When you talk about that, it's like you want to get someone to concentrate on their breathing, just mention the word breathing and all of a sudden yeah. you get focused on it. You know? That's the thing is you don't, we don't need to do so much. We just need to start. We, it's not even we need to. We have the opportunity to begin paying attention. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's what I like about your book is it's really simple and simple is not easy. We often confuse simple with easy. Yeah. But there's a lot of simple things like with the mopey uh, default state. Like there's mm-hmm. some exercises you can do or some stretches you can but do. Then, but then, so the, the, the opposite, and we can talk about, about, about stretches, but, or exercises, but mm-hmm. the opposite of that, this can start to veer into really dangerous territory of like good vibes only mm. where like, <laughs> yeah. Oh dude, if you feel sad or remorse or you just had a sh- garbage day and you're just like, Oh, just do like, some stretches. Be with it. <laughs> like that's okay. Right. It's just one of the colors on your, on your palette of expression in this life yeah another color on the palette would be like man i feel just good like i feel confident i feel excited yeah you know and what do i do like i'm not acting right now right i'm I'm just you know tapping into that sensation and suddenly my shoulders come out yeah my hands Mm -hmm. open up my face opens up i open up my vital organs you know i'm like i'm like come and get it Mm. i feel safe yeah you know, so all of those those patterns that's in it's been inherent in you since yeah. I don't know since you you know at least a baby, but you know evolutionarily probably yeah. for millions of years. Sure. So we got mopey, and then what's the second one? The anxious person. Oh. So is that uh, has something to do now. with with your head being down, right? So so can we talk about the anxious so, archetype? Yeah. So the anxious archetype is just the person that is um, you know they talk really fast. 
Maybe they talk kind of high. Their shoulders are kind of like creeping up towards their ears. They Just them being in the room kind of stresses you out a little bit. Ah. You know, and so that person might be a, a people pleaser. You know, they might be a person that's just like they're always kind of fidgeting and adjusting things and everything's nothing's ever quite right. You know, mm. they might I'm, I almost like walk up on tippy toes in a way, like mm. walking on eggshells type sensation. Uh-huh. So that person doesn't really feel comfortable, like safe at home. Like, oh, yes. You know, it's easy for them to inhale, but not that easy for them to. Mm. <sighs> and it's almost as though the inhale is shallow. It's reserved in a way. Yeah, right. Yeah. And the exhale is going to be shallow. So the, so the, our, as we exhale, we're engaging that, um, that parasympathetic mm-hmm. rest, digest, calming side of the nervous system. Mm-hmm. As we inhale, we're activating more of that sympathetic side of the nervous system. So a great practice for people to get into is to just go through a full range of motion with their breathing. You know, yeah. So you can play with now, just notice, is it easier for you to breathe in, you know, ideally through your nose? Does that feel restricted any place? Do you feel like open, spacious in the side of the ribs? Can you breathe into the low back, into the mm. abdomen? And then breathe all the way out. Does it feel easy to breathe all the way out? One, just doing that is going to change your state. Yes. Mm. Which is impressive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like in an instant. I didn't have to do anything. I was already breathing. <laughs> you were already breathing. <laughs> <laughs> You're just suddenly engaging with this thing that, you know, it feeds every cell in your body with the energy that allows you to do all the things that you're doing. You're just paying attention to that system for a moment. Yeah. yeah. Ever since like listening to the breathing part of your book, I'm like consciously trying to always breathe through my nose now. I used to sleep. With, I used to sleep with Great. tape over my mouth. Um, but it kept coming off in the middle of the night, so I kind of gave up on it. But you gotta put it's just, just his wife's kink, really. That's right, right yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Mariah loves yeah. it. But so the, so the thing, yeah. I, the thing I wanted to mention, it seems like we might get to the swole part anyway. So maybe I'm jumping again. The third archetype is swole. Yeah. So 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 swole would essentially would be the compensatory side of mopey. Yeah, like you know, so a person oftentimes that is swollen. I just got back from Gold's gym. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, Arnold was there, which was great. No uh, way. Yeah, that was, that was good times. Um, so, but at Gold's gym, the Mecca, Venice, yes. you see a lot of me as a as a teenager, and what that is is a person that feels ultimately insecure, feels you know maybe unsafe in their home environment, um, just feels like. Um, like a, a guest in this life, mm. you know, like doesn't really feel him, doesn't know who their social group is, like doesn't, you know, yeah. is kind of superficially on the outside of most things. Mm-hmm. Doesn't ever feel like, oh, like, oh I'm here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the way that I compensated and feeling kind of insecure was to stack up a bunch of superficial muscle. Mm-hmm. So my home situation felt kind of insecure. So I compensate and build up my biological home. And yeah. now I just pack myself with as much muscles as I possibly can. Mm. And then I bring the shoulders back and I flare the ribs up and I kind of waddle mm. down the road <laughs> like that saying, come and get me. Yeah. Yes. You know, like I'm too strong. Yeah. Like I dare you. <laughs> what that position is indicating is it's an indicating a person that is, they're, they're compensating. Mm. There's probably ah. some boy deep inside there or girl deep inside there that feels unseen you know that feels scared Mm. and now we're putting on this front to saying like oh no like no one no one can hurt me Mm -hmm. 
and what that actually ends up doing. And I might be reading, not every person that walks around like that is not that. Sure. I'm just painting a story and mm-hmm. you know, it may or may not relate to, to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, it related to me. And so that person, what they're doing by having that compensatory, pulling the shoulders back, flaying the ribs, is they're creating instability in their lower back. Mm. So they're disconnecting themselves from actually having true access to power. So when I flare my ribs out like that, Mm -hmm. suddenly on the front, it looks good. Mm -hmm. I've got the Lambo, I've got the nice house, I've got the pretty girlfriend, big old tits, you know, like you look (laughs) like, dang, like, you know, I'm killing it. Yeah. Deep down, get into their lower back and their spine, Mm -hmm. they're holding it together because their body's not able to rest and, and orient and stack onto itself. Uh-huh. So when you flare the ribs up, you're putting stress on the lower back. And then when you try to actually be powerful in the sense of maybe throw a kick or throw a punch or lift, lift some weight, your central nervous system will actually shut you down from accessing power because it doesn't trust you to not hurt yourself. Mm. Right. So if you can just allow the ribs to like, relax, let mm-hmm. the ribs slightly come down to the hips, Mm-hmm. You know, from that position, now all of a sudden you can stack, you know, hundreds of pounds on your shoulders and that mm-hmm. weight will go straight down into your feet. If I flare my ribs out, then that weight will go straight down to my low back mm-hmm. and my low back, suddenly it's like discarniations and problems. Yes. Yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. the way that I think and the way that I feel, who I think I am will affect my access to physical, mechanical power. Yeah. And well, then the opposite is also true. Then the opposite is also true. Mm-hmm. We have two more archetypes here. And then also in the book, you have these different movement tips as well. So like, for example, for the anxious person, you talk about the the gut massage. Mm-hmm. I use one of those. It's like a a, a ball. It's, I don't know. It's maybe the size of a softball. Mm-hmm. And I like massage out the my guts, basically, yeah. uh, by, by laying on it. You you have um, uh, like a band in here that you, yep. you, you use. Yeah. So well, we'll, we'll get into some different tips here. But... Um, what what does that do if I want to massage my yeah. my organs? Yeah. So slow, deep pressure is going to cause your nervous system to calm down. Mm. You know, so you have these these little cells called mechanoreceptors that they're you know, a part of your your muscles and your fascia and your connective tissue that are sending an indication to what's happening in the world around you. Yeah. When you do that slow, deep pressure, especially around like organs. You know, and all this, all this gut stuff around here, yeah. it sends an indication to the rest of your nervous system just to, oh, like relax. Yeah. You know, and so the, the people call the your your visceral system or your guts the second brain or the cat brain. It's got as many neurons as as that of a brain of a cat. Oh wow! You know, so yeah. when you have like a gut feeling, you literally have a thinking part of yourself in your guts. Yeah. And so when you're continually wound up, maybe you a person that might have some like an irritable bowel syndrome or some type of gut inflammation or digestive disorder uh, disorders mm-hmm. within that, there typically is going to be some type of um, you know, stress, mm-hmm. you know, and whereas stress in the body, whereas stress in the mind, you know, that, that it's, it's a, it's a two way street, yeah. you know, and so if you can just go in and have some, some you know, manual pressure, some contact in those places uh-huh. and start to breathe into those parts of your guts that might have been frozen. They might have been, you know, impinged or adhesed, bound together. Yeah. It's mm. presenting the opportunity to bring new restorative fluid into all those places. Mm. New restorative fluid translates to health. Yes. Mm. 
You know, that's like yeah. like uh, Hippocrates. He said that the 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 path to enlightenment is through the is through the the guts, through the intestines. Mm. So if you if you're inflamed in your guts and you feel just like oh, and you wake up and you're you're farting and you feel like gassy and you're just like oh, stomach ache. I shouldn't have done that last night. Yeah, like good luck with a meditation. Or good luck with communication or good luck with like being your best self. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I have a really bad autoimmune disease and like it manifests in like really bad ulcers in my small bowel. Last time I did a a endoscopy at a hundred plus, he stopped counting at a hundred ulcers in my small bowel. And uh, it actually happened shortly after Ryan and I went to, uh, to Brazil. I had some food poisoning there and that was sort of a trigger of you know, this, this autoimmune stuff that was underlying, obviously the, the parasite didn't cause autoimmunity, but, um, it's so hard to be in the moment to, to focus on anything else. As you said, good luck, even trying to meditate this morning was a good example. I woke up with just extreme inflammation pain, Mm -hmm. like 2am panic level pain. And it's like, Oh my God, I can't even think about anything else right now. Right. Mm. And, and so anytime that we feel that sort of dis-ease, that illness, in fact, I had a, a great quote from you. I think we'll talk about it on the, the minimal episode, but it was about, um, illness. But, uh, anyway, um, where anytime that, that we are stuck in that illness, we're, we're not living a meaningful life We're we're not, we're not able to focus on anything that would be, you know, transcendent or, mm-hmm. or we don't have an awareness. Or even. that thing is the path towards your, your transcendence in quotations. Without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I was, uh, I was thinking about this and in, in those terms is, you know, I've spent the last three years sort of going through this and a couple of years ago was really the nadir of it, but the, it has been an eye-opening experience in a way that has caused me to be more aware of everything yep. um, and, and that I would not have been without that sort of pain and, and suffering. And that's, yeah. then that's like the, you know, it's like the, the, the wounded healer, you know, like that is your gift, yeah. your mm. capacity to connect with people in a, a deeper, more meaningful way than some other people is because you've gone through pain because you've seen your mom go through the things that she has, because you've like been into those, those, dark caves of yourself uh-huh. even even though it felt absolutely heinous and terrible and something you wouldn't ever wish on anybody else right it gives you the ability to understand that place which actually makes you a more influential person in culture yeah well because what the the understanding is different from a textbook understanding what you're talking about is a right. visceral understanding yeah yeah and so you can have i think that that's a big thing like our i think there can be almost like the belief that our body is against us in a way. You God, know, it and feels like that sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I can see that. But it's obviously... Your body's trying to talk to you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So if you're in a relationship with a gal or you got a kid or something mm-hmm. or, you know, a, a, a fella uh, and they're saying something to you, it might, what they're saying on the face might not actually be what they're saying. They might be yelling at you or they might be outlashing or they might be whatever the thing is. Mm-hmm. And you're like, whoa, like, man, you're a jerk. Yeah. Right. It's like, no, no, no. They, they're like, listen deeper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like there, there's, there's a reason that they're expressing in this way. And it's probably a buildup of a whole bunch of other stuff. Mm, that's right. Yeah. You know, and our, our, our bodies, when they communicate in the form of o- obesity, 
You know, and they communicate in the form of inflammation or they communicate in the form of ulcers. Mm-hmm. It's your, your body doesn't speak English. Right. Like you, like you speak English, technically, mm-hmm. I guess technically your body does speak English, mm-hmm. no, but your body <laughs> speaks physiology. Yeah. yeah. And so when it's saying these things, if your partner is saying some stuff that you're like, oh, this is annoying. Like, stop saying that. Like this, I don't like this. And you just lash out and you're like, you know, screw off. Yeah. That's not good communication. That's not a path towards betterment. Right. The other option is like, actually get with it, uh-huh. you know, and say like, oh, like, what are you saying to me? Right. Yeah. You know, and, and, and from there, it's not saying, okay, the body is the enemy. The body is trying to hurt me. The body is against me. Mm-hmm. It's saying, oh, my body is trying to communicate something to me and I haven't had the ears to hear it. Yeah. What can I do to cultivate my capacity to be able to hear the messages that my body's been saying since I've been, you know, a little person maybe. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because like, I think as a society, we address the symptoms and that's what you're talking about are symptoms here. Yeah. Right. And like, stop saying that. Stop saying what? That's no, I'm saying, I'm saying the oh. symptom. Oh, yeah, yeah. Your relationship, your kid, whatever. It's yeah. like, it's like, get the tape out. It's not for sleep. It's for you to shut the hell up. Right, right, right. Yeah. right. Like, good. Problem solved. <laughs> <laughs> we handle it. We got it. Well, it's funny because you, you brought up IBS, and IBS is one of those symptoms that it's funny. That's what we try to address mm-hmm. is the, the uncomfortable stomach feeling. But there's usually something deeper there, whether it's, uh, um, you know, an autoimmune disorder or whether it's stress or whether it's whatever it is. Um, yeah, it's, I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. These symptoms are an opportunity for us to dig a little bit deeper, yeah. but unfortunately the society we live in is like, Oh, I got a pill for that. Oh, you got stomach problem. I got a pill for that. Well, now that pill is going to cause depression. Well, I got a pill for that too. <laughs> yeah. 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 What did you call it in the, in the net? I watched your guys's the, the minimalist documentary recently. It's like the, the, advertising tactic that causes people to think that they're like not good enough. Yeah, it's it, called in, like the vertical, inter- or the vertical like integration of your reference group. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> there was a, something else I haven't written down on my phone. I was like, Oh, that's good. But we're getting these messages. One of the things I remember from it is that I think in the 1950s, we spent $5 billion on advertisements. And then by like 2020 or whenever the, the dot came out, it was like $240 billion. Mm-hmm. And then drawing back where those advertisements are coming from, um, I guess from the, with Edward Bernays. Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah. Sigmund Freud's. Sigmund Freud's, yeah. yeah cousin or nephew yeah. or whatever mm-hmm. it is, yeah. Um, the pioneer of advertising. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's yeah. like the father of modern advertising. Mm-hmm. So so his, what really shifted the game in advertising was was changing it so that it's not that, wow, these microphones are great. They've got whatever the term for microphones makes them really good. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like great steel. They're erect, you know, <laughs> like the capture sound well. You're like, no, we don't care that. This microphone makes you more like Joe Rogan. Yes. Right. And right? by when the way, you you're inadequate. This, like, oh, I want to be like the you. best. Yeah. yeah. You know, so why, when I pull up my my Mac computer, this means I'm a Mac guy. Right. What does that mean? Oh, I'm like kind of organized. I'm like yeah. intuitive. You yeah. know, I'm like maybe a little progressive. Yeah. It's like, I'm a Mac guy. You're hip. You're unique. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, and so we're being bombarded with these messages all the time. Mm-hmm. It never stops. Like on your phone, on social media, walking down the street, billboards, you know, even people's clothing, you know, clothing having big brands across Nike swoosh whatever it is mm-hmm. yeah. it's advertising yep sure. people are just paying to advertise because they want to be a part of that tribe you know and so if you're continually getting this message you're being bombarded since you're just a little human being uh-huh. that you will be happy when 
you will be enough when mm -hmm. people will love you you know when you get these shoes this car this job whatever it is mm -hmm. um you know, that's a tough world to live in. Yeah. I don't know why I, I don't know why I got on that thread, but I'm all hot by the <laughs> yeah. We're talking about <laughs> symptoms and you're talking about how we're constantly bombarded with symptoms, basically. <laughs> well, we have two yeah. more archetypes. Just real quick, you got a bendy person, you've got an aligned person. Can we go through those real quick before we get into these surprise questions? I wasn't even yeah. aware of a bendy person until I read this part in your book. Makes sense, right? Yeah, it totally does. Yeah. 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 Where the reason I was going to the advertising stuff is because we we were educated from a young age that we're inherently broken and we will be fixed when we buy this mm. shit. Right. Yes. Yeah. Or we yeah. arrive at this this pedestal. This is what consumerism consumerism is simply the ideology that buying things, certain things, will make you complete or right. happy. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, it never works. And so it's like, oh, I bought the wrong thing. And so yeah. now I turn to the different advertisement that's going to sell me the other thing. It's, yeah. it's this, mm -hmm. yeah, the, the BMW didn't make me happy. Clearly, it's going to be the Bentley. And that's that's that inherent immutable self that Moshe Feldenkrais talked about. That that like deep joy, love, expressiveness, free part of you that every person has access to right now. Mm -hmm. It's there. Yeah. Right? There's no, oh, I need to do this or I got to meditate. Right. More. It's there. Yeah. Hmm. Happiness it's is just there, yeah. It's just a matter of being able and willing and courageous enough, which, you know, it's a process. Like, mm -hmm. I can feel it in myself doing it right now and then kind of going back and going back. It's like, it's an ongoing thing. It's not like you just pull the veil away and right. suddenly you're like, ha-ha. Right. Inherent immutable self. <laughs> 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 so that natural version of you, it's always there. It's just having anchors and reminders and community mm -hmm. and placing yourself into the containers that naturally invoke those sensations mm -hmm. of feeling all the ways that we all have a, a birthright to feel. Uh -huh. But when you're in a world that's continually bombarding you with this message that you will feel all right when, mm -hmm. as opposed to you all are all that you'll ever need to be right now. Yeah. I love you <laughs> right now. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, that's it's so hard that's to even not grasp a, that now. Because sure. we've been made to feel so inadequate. It feels yeah. weird to say. Yeah. 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 It feels wrong in a way, right? <laughs> yeah, man. What do you mean I don't need to improve myself? <laughs> right. I've been told I need, there, oh, there's seven goodness. steps to improve myself. Right. Yeah. There are 13 things I need to do. There's 12 rules for living. Man. I need to follow all of these different things. They'll make me the better version of myself until I am that immutable person I want to be. It's like, well, yeah. no, no, no. You're already You're that. there. You've been there the whole time. We're addicted yes. to self-improvement. Absolutely. Yeah, it's wild. Who's uh, the bendy person? Yeah, who's the bendy person? The bendy person is the person that I'm. I'm kind of. I can be kind of bendy as well. Um, but they're like the yogi, the stretchy pant person, super creative, really dynamic. You know uh -huh. all that. Um, but typically, they're going to show up late. They're not very dependable. They have all these amazing ideas, but they don't actually ever get anything done. Mm. They need a person that has structure. You know, mm. so they need a person that's, you know, I call them like the aligned person or maybe even a person that's like more swall, uh -huh. you know, where they're kind of like, okay, like I'm stiff, I'm rigid, but like I get stuff done. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, you could use a little bit more bendiness, mm. you know, a little bit more water mm -hmm. in there, mm -hmm. you know, flexibility. Yeah. You know, so that's the thing is we're a team, like uh -huh. we're a tribe. You don't need to be all of the things. Uh -huh. You are all the things, you're masculine, you're feminine, you're all the stuff. Mm -hmm. And you have certain propensities towards certain directions. Yeah. yeah. And you resting into that and embodying that and saying like, yeah, yeah, I typically am late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, How dare you I've call had me about a like million that. amazing million dollar ideas and I still live at my mom's house. <laughs> you know, like yeah. 
but I've got these ideas, like legit, like these are good ideas. Yeah. I just have no activation, no follow through. Mm-hmm. So you you're all follow through. Mm -hmm. Your ideas aren't that good. (laughs) 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 You're like, let's get together. (laughs) You know, so it's not about one person being wrong or right. It's Mm -hmm. just being, you know, I think ultimately it comes back to another big part of the book is that we need community. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Community, like that's the, like humans thrive on community. That's why our superpower outside of adaptation is communication. Mm. It's how we're here where we are now. That's how all of this stuff, these cameras seemingly like floating in the room and these mics and this whole experience is a product of, of you know, at this point, a global community. Yeah. You guys have people engaging all around the world. Yeah. You know, this microphone wasn't made by one person. My book wasn't made by one person. Mm-hmm. There was people taking down trees. There was people, you know, whatever, how are you, you derive ink, you know, mm-hmm. creating the ink stuff. <laughs> yeah. There's editors, there's photographers, right? like every part, this cup, everything is inextricably tied to the whole. Mm-hmm. Yes. And if you start to buy the belief that you are this individual thing and I just do it all. Yeah. One, you're just wrong. Right. <laughs> right. Two, it's really lonely. Yeah. Yeah. It's isolating in a way that, uh, we don't intend it to be. It mm-hmm. first seems empowering, Right. I, I am you know, taking responsibility for my own actions and all oh, that's fine. Yeah. But you're talking about going beyond that, right? It's 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 the opposite of like blaming other. We're not talking about blaming people either. And it's not about like the I am everything. I am the center of my universe, that sort of solipsistic worldview, yeah. right? It's both. Yes, it's both. I can be me, but I also exist within all of this. And now, yeah. obviously, you go deep enough and you realize the self is just a an illusion anyway. <laughs> and it can be a useful illusion. A super useful illusion. It's yeah. a tool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like a, it's, like a, it's like a boat, you know, it gets you through the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It makes me think of how, like, um, recently I've understood, like, I, I always thought of having an ego as bad, but really, like, the ego is a really good driver. Like, it's a tool. Like, how do you use it to get yeah. through life? Take care of your boat. Yeah, absolutely. If there's barnacles and stuff on the side of it, like, get your little snorkel out and you can get those barnacles off. Yeah. You know, so barnacles are all of your limiting belief system. Barnacles are all of the, you know, the the hoarding that you do in your house because you're afraid of, you know, you have some scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, barnacles are that that idea you guys mentioned in your documentary as well. It's like when you're poor, someone gives you gives you shit, you take shit. Yeah. You're like, I don't know if I'm going to have shit in the future, so I'll just take this shit now. Right. That's right. Yeah, you I know, might need as those opposed barnacles. to coming from a place of like, no, like I'm, I'm good. Yeah, you know, from that place when someone just gives you random stuff, you're like, I, I think I'm okay. Like I'm going to keep contained. Yeah, here. Yeah, you know, and then it's also you can get too far that way, mm-hmm. and now it's like, no, someone's trying to give you something actually meaningful. Mm-hmm. You know, if yeah. someone's trying to give, like, like whatever, it's just having eye contact with the person serving you coffee. Yeah, like that's an exchange. Mm-hmm. If you're a person that's like, no, no, I'm good. I'm gonna keep it in here. <laughs> yeah. Then <laughs> you're missing out on a lot of stuff. <laughs> then you're missing all of this medicine. Like yeah. we have medicine, access to medicine all the way, every moment throughout the day. Every breath yeah. you take could be a medicinal breath or it could be a panic-inducing breath. Uh, yes. The way that you use your eyes could induce fight, flight, go, or it could induce rest, digest, restore, repair. Mm. You know, right? The way that you walk, the way that you communicate, I can communicate in a way, you know, right now I'm getting all excited and stuff. So I'm like here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but you're not affecting that. It right. is a byproduct of the way that you're feeling. And you're also not like hiding it either. You're not, 
I need to remain stoic for this interview. Right. Right. And so, <laughs> and so you can peel the layers back on a person in the way that we, but you can affect that. That's mm-hmm. the interesting thing. Mm-hmm. So dance, for example, uh-huh. if you can crack, you know, that like the, 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 the outside stoic you know, statuesque posture of a person you know, that's just been working all day and have all these ideas and like, oh, like wiggling my hips, like my shoulders, (laughs) like, I don't know, I'm not that kind of guy. (laughs) If you can get that person to dance afterwards, at first it's going to be weird and it's going to be rigid and it's going to be rusty. And then 10 minutes later, 30 minutes later, 45 minutes later, their shirts off and they're sweating and they're (laughs) hugging you. (laughs) What happened? They moved themselves into a new state. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, and so that's like William James. He's he's known as the father of modern psychology. He's Uh like one of the kind of like the the primary thinkers of this originally was that, you know, if you get afraid, if you get happy, whatever it is, we think that that happens in between our ears. Mm. You know, and, and his suggestion, lots of other smart people's suggestion would be that it's actually... Our, our emotions actually are invoked from the movement and expression of our body. Mm. And the reality is it's both. But even yeah. the idea, like, think about this. You, we just accept that our brain exists inside of this vacuum mm-hmm. and all of our thoughts and identity and consciousness comes from this organ called a brain. Mm-hmm. That's something we made up. Yeah. Yeah. It's very Newtonian we see patterns. view of the world. Yeah, mm. we see patterns. We see consistent trends. And they feel this way and they feel that way. The brain does a thing. That does not mean that you exist in your brain. Uh-huh. That just means we see some patterns yeah. consistent when a person feels this way. That happens in that organ. You know, but you, there's a skin-brain connection. You know, the, the, it, from an embryological perspective, your ectoderm is a consistent layer with your brain. Your brain forms with your skin. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So your sense of touch is it's your first sensation to to come about as a as a fetus. Mm-hmm. Like your brain and skin, it's a consistent organ. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then the oh the gut brain connection. Oh, that's that's cool to say. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So that's consistent too. What's not consistent? Right. Like, so we have these stories of of what we are, um, but the reality is like you're all of you. Mm-hmm. And you're you're if you're in a room that's really cold. Suddenly, you know, you start to go through this pilo erection and your hair stand up and, mm-hmm. you know, like your whole body adapts. If you're, if you're there long enough, you might start to develop brown adipose tissue and like the whole configuration of your physiology changes to fit the shape of your environment. Yes. If you're in a hot room, the inverse happens. If you're in high elevation, suddenly, you know, your, your red blood cells start to become less stingy with oxygen. It's called the Bohr effect. And they start releasing red blood cells to your muscles so that you're able to keep on going. Mm. If you go down low, they get more stingy. It's like, okay, we don't need to, yeah. you know, release so much. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's going back to what you're talking about, how adaptive the body is. It's pretty amazing when you kind of unpack it all like that, man. Yeah, where is the body? I know mm. this is getting like, you know, we need some like a handful of mushrooms to go any further. Right, in this conversation. Right, right. <laughs> but like, but I, I mean, it's some before the show. Oh, good. good, good, good. <laughs> Microdose. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, but it, I mean, it is an interesting question. And it's, it's, it's like, well, like what, where, where, where are you? Mm-hmm. I would suggest that you are continuous with your relationships. You're continuous with, you know, the air that you breathe. You're continuous with the vibe of the town that you're in, yeah. like we were talking about before this, like LA, when you arrive in LA airport, it makes you feel away. Yeah. When you arrive in 
Tahiti, it makes you feel away. Yeah. 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 You know, so am I as contained as I think I am? I think it's like pretty apparent that you're, you know, you're a little less contained than you were, than you were told. Yeah, absolutely. So, so this last posture is aligned. Uh-huh. Is this ideally where everyone wants, is that where we're all trying to go to is towards aligned? Well, the irony is if you try, you'll probably miss it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like trying to let go. No, it's yeah. Right. No, I was doing a meditation. Look, look, I, I'm holding this timer right here. Right. Try to let go of it. Right. Exactly. Well, you either let go of it or you don't. And the only way you let go of it is by I stop clinging to it. Yeah. And and otherwise, like, I, I actually don't have to do anything. I have to stop doing something. I, yeah. And I think the same is true with any of these these postures. They they can happen on their own, or as you said, talk about we become conditioned. We, uh, I'm not always the mopey person, but sometimes that becomes my default because of the way that I've been sitting for many years. Yeah. 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 And I and I maybe have forgotten or never learned that it's okay to be confident. Mm. If I'm oh, confident, yeah. then maybe I'll get too much attention from guys. Yeah, I've learned that maybe it's a bad thing to be confident. Yeah, that I'm arrogant, I'm pretentious. Right. So it's all these stories. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, but behind that, everyone has had the moment where their stories are shelved, and you just feel free. Yeah. Yes. Like it, everyone's had that moment. Some people have that moment with more regularity than others, mm-hmm. and there are practices and habits and anchors to bring us back to those moments with greater regularity mm-hmm. but it's an ongoing thing yeah. there's no there's no balanced there's only balancing yeah Ooh. yeah tweet that yeah, podcast <laughs> well it makes me think about i did this meditation on sunday it was like a 30 minute meditation and i had these moments of like i can't even explain like the best way to explain it is like um there's this moment where like i there's like this vision of a tree and like the leaves kind of blowing off the tree and as soon as I noticed it, and I was like, "Oh, that's cool," and I like how I feel right now, like it, it was gone. Yeah. And then, and and then, like I had this um, another moment where I was like, kind of in the sh- like visioning the stream of water and like the push and pull of the rocks and like the flow. And again, I was like, "Man, this is so cool." And then, like once I tried to grab it, like yeah. as soon as I tried to grab it, gone. Well, that sensation. Are you guys familiar with Vipassana? Yeah. Have mm-hmm. you heard of that before? Yeah, I have. Heard like of a it. ten day. The the baseline is like a ten day. You, go and you sit and you meditate pretty much all day yes. guy comes and wakes you up and he's got this little bell thing you wake up like 4 30 in the morning you just do these hour-long meditations on repeat until like 8 30 at night and then you go to bed wow really interesting experience mm-hmm. it's you know it's donation only and mm-hmm. you only donate if you make it to the end this guy called called guanka founded oh, wow. the thing um super wealthy like billionaire indian guy that, mm-hmm. that was like his his gift to the planet was to offer the opportunity to just sit with yourself for 10 days. Yeah. Is it is it a silent retreat as well? Yeah. Okay. You're meditating the whole time. Yeah. From the got, time oh, you, you wake up till you go to sleep. And you're I not see. you're not permitted. It's um it's called noble silence so you don't look at each other. Um oh. you don't have a cell phone, you don't have a notebook or a pen. It's just you with you for 10 days. Wow. It's a really interesting experience. But one of the things that they that um I mean this is consistent like any type of meditation practice or anything is not being attached to that sensation of wow this is awesome mm-hmm. the same way that you wouldn't be attached to the other sensation of wow this sucks yeah right. what we try to do is we we try to renounce everything that sucks yeah not knowing that the renunciation actually forever tethers us to that thing right, right. Uh, the same with uh you know our stuff 
know, people often think that as the minimalist, we're just renouncing things. Well, no, that would just make me a different kind of consumer mm-hmm. yeah. in a way. I'd be the consumer of minimalism. Yeah. And and so the the holding on is the problem either way. Yeah. And what that what it really does, like where this actually comes into, because a lot of this conversation, hopefully you guys like like metaphysical you know, oh, yeah. out there yeah. conversations, because yeah. I'm not exactly sure the audience. Um, but where it comes into tangible, like how does this affect me? is if you're in that, you know, that resistance all the time, it's, it's stressful. Yeah. You know, and what is, what is the, the sensation of like, an interesting thing is when you, uh, if you make a hundred dollars, you know, or if you want a trip to the Bahamas or something like that, Mm -hmm. and then suddenly you lose a trip to the the Bahamas. Ooh. You know, it's like, you were fine. Yeah. You're like, wow, great day, man. I'm like, I want a trip to the Bahamas. Sorry, I'm even happier. And then they're like, oh, by the way, that was a prank call. You lost your trip to the Bahamas. So then you're like, oh, oh." like you're you're just this ping pong ball. You lost something you you never had. You lost something you never had. But isn't that true with everything? Right. Oh, yeah. That's a metaphor for even the things we thought we had. We never really had them in the first place. Yeah. So to be in that place is speaking of like metabolic flexibility for you to be able to fast when you need to fast or want to fast, for you to be able to eat carbs when you want to eat carbs or protein or fat or yeah. be able to, like your body is this, you know, the, your, your guts are this fire. You put whatever, you put this tennis ball in there. Your body's <laughs> like, Hmm. Not happy about this, but we can figure it out. Mm. <laughs> 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 like that is your perception of, of events. Yeah. Yes. So if you can come into the place of like, you want a trip to the Bahamas, it's like, Oh, cool. Yeah. Like, all right. It's like, you yeah. lost a trip to the Bahamas. It's like, oh, great. There's probably wow. other things that I could do instead. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. You, you, know, <laughs> you know what's fascinating is like, I'm thinking about like when I, so trying to capture that good feeling I was having during the meditation, when I try to capture something, I lose it. And then if I'm feeling anxious, I, I try to let go of it. I'm thinking to myself, I got to let go of this. It's like I cling to it. It's the yeah. trying. Yeah. Yeah. The trying is a type of clinging in yeah, a way. Because yeah. like, imagine like, again, going back to the try to drop this timer. It's like, oh, I'm just trying so hard. No, yeah. like I don't have to do anything. I literally have to stop doing. Yeah. We have a bunch of surprise questions, Alabama. How about we get to uh, Mirna's <laughs> question here? <laughs> Even with regular exercise and the recommended workstation set up by my occupational therapist, trying to improve my posture just makes me sore. And I eventually revert back to rounding my shoulders and sticking my chin out. Am I missing something when it comes to developing good posture? First of all, I love your voice. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> Isn't she great? Yeah, she's awesome. <laughs> Second of all, that's exactly what we've been talking about the whole time. You don't need to do a thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the idea that, okay, I'm losing in this position. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a bad person. Okay, yeah. I'm going to go like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do good posture. <laughs> Yeah, and now you'll be right. the small person. And, now it's yeah. like, oh, no, now I'm doing all the other. So it's adjusting, going specifically, I think, so getting into a less esoteric and more like a very tangible physical therapy, like anatomical approach, going through and having a joint-by-joint approach of what's happening in my toes and my ankles and my knees and my hips, you know, throughout the facets of my spine, my shoulder range of motion, my wrists, my mm. neck, that's not a hard thing to to do. You don't have that many major joints to check in on, mm. you know, and so having a, a, a regular 
practice, which this is what we break down in the Lie Method book. We also have um, an online program that if people are interested in doing like actually having videos and all that stuff, and we can provide a discount code and all that stuff um, where you go through and just have a simple basic practice that you can check in every day, every morning and say what's happening in my ankles, what's happening in my hips. And if there's inherent dysfunction or immobility in any of the ranges of motions throughout that body, that's going to pull on the the tension systems throughout the whole. So that sensation of, wow, it feels a lot easier for me to be in this hunched over forward head posture position. And when I try to just suddenly switch myself, I feel now I'm stressed. The solution for that would be actually going under the hood and saying, what's the length of the muscles in the back of your neck, the Mm. suboccipital muscles? Are they chronically shortened because you've been in that position for the last 22 years right. and now you're just trying to switch it all up are you chronically shortened maybe in like the deep hip flexors and iliopsoas muscles and adductors and all these muscles that are actually pulling you down you know so from there we go in and we do some exercises and self-care work um, or you could see a therapist or a pt or whatever to start to create the length in those spaces so that then you can take a walk and say like oh wow like <sighs> I feel like at home in my body. Like, I feel like I can just stack, you know? And so you got, it's not, a lot of this conversation has been very ethereal, like, wow, like, ooh, Cohen's and such. You also need to, like Tony Robbins has a quote, if if there's weeds, you don't just visualize no weeds, no weeds. You go out and you pick the damn weeds. Right. You know, so you need to do the work. Right. And by placing yourself into an environment that it just it's it's more conducive for the work to just happen mm-hmm. like that's that's the the solution the long term solution that like that has the most longevity and so the way that we do that how do we change our environment if we don't have a bunch of money to have a trainer and a therapist come to our house every day or you know a membership to equinox or whatever mm-hmm. just get a pull up bar in your house mm. you know so now you walk through your house your doorway your bathroom wherever your closet and there's a pull up bar and you just reach up and you just Oh, you're saying. Mm. Now you're starting to change the structure and the shape of your shoulder girdle. You know, there's a there's a an, an, a uh, a book called Shoulder Pain uh, by a guy called Dr. John Kirsch, who is an orthopedic surgeon, and uh, he in that book essentially goes over a whole hanging protocol that he found 99 percent of the patients that he would see uh, that he was going to see for surgery for some type of shoulder impingement syndrome, mm-hmm. he could end up completely resolving their issues just by going through a basic hanging protocol. Your shoulders are structured to reach up overhead and hang off of stuff, mm. right? The length of your clavicles, the shape of our hands, like like the fact that you can reach up behind your head with your right hand and, and touch your left ear, mm-hmm. like monkeys can't do that. You know, like to be able to go mm. back and do this, oh, this wow. range of motion, that's a human thing. Hmm. There's argument that perhaps human at one point human human at one point was was an arboreal creature reaching up and living in trees and whatnot i don't know you know who knows what was going on but what i do know with with like absolute certainty is the structure and engineering of your shoulder it's it's built to reach up and hang off of stuff fascinating and we almost never do that now it's a similar thing of you know with squatting up and down off of the ground that is a there's a, another book called Muscles and Meridians by a guy called Philip Beach that I'd recommend if people are like really dorky, mm-hmm. not really dorky, probably not necessary, um, into this topic specifically. And he describes these postures of getting up and down off of the ground, you know, which I break down in the floor sitting chapter in the book. Uh, he describes them as being uh, 
what does he call them? He calls them archetypal postures of repose. Mm. So you are re- repositioning or tuning your musculature just by going through these natural ranges of motion. Mm. Like your body's a self-tuning, self-healing, self-cleaning system. Mm. You just need to provide it the terrain in order to be able to do that. Yes. And so two simple things would be freaking hang each day wow. and freaking get on the ground each day wow. and go through a 90-90 position, go through a sukhasana, which is like a fancy way of saying cross your legs, mm-hmm. like crisscross applesauce, mm-hmm. do a deep squat, kneel, do the stuff that any normal human being, the Hatsa people, yeah. you know, any people three-year-old are, child, any three-year-old child, yeah. any healthy animal, like any healthy primate, any healthy child, any like healthy culture throughout the world that's still doing this stuff. Um, just do that yeah. and then we'll talk. Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> but until you're doing the absolute lowest hanging fruit, it's just this big, shiny, juicy apples that are just there. And you're like looking up in the tree, like, oh, I think maybe this complex, it's like, start with the baseline stuff and then let's move forward from there. Yeah. How much time are you spending walking each day? Mm-hmm. Right? Are you sitting in a chair hunched over all day and then you sit in that same chair and you pull your shoulders back? It's like, oh, why does this suck? <laughs> right? Take mm-hmm. a walk. How does that affect your posture? Yeah. Check into your breath. Maybe you could do some breath work, yeah. right? Maybe you could just emphasize breathing through the nose. Maybe you could emphasize a long exhalation. Maybe you shake your body out a little bit mm-hmm. and just explore and see is there any tension in my ankle and my knee and my pelvis and my pelvic floor. Oh, have I been contracting my pelvic floor muscles for the last 35 minutes? Mm. Oh, okay. What's it like to relax that? Mm, yeah. Then check in. You have this like, like infinitum tools and levers to pull on and we're waiting for this. This is advertising. Yeah. We're waiting for the perfect panacea lever out there. Yes. <laughs> it's like you're covered in levers. Yeah, you're not pulling a fraction of them, yeah. and you're wondering what's going on. Uh-huh. Man, I've had to talk myself out of buying the uh, the the. the um, it helps with your posture. It's like a machine that has like a little kind of like a little plastic hook on it, and basically, like you know, when you're not in the right posture, when you're hunched over, it does like a little vibrating thing or something. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it shocks so that's you. A, so right, exactly. It's so just, thing, even even like the language of that, there is no right posture. Mm. So it's first, it's defining where do I want to go, mm-hmm. and then from there you can reverse engineer mm. your body being hunched over, collapsed. Well, there's nothing wrong with any of that. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's just where it's just what do you want to generate power? Right. Do you want to? communicate and be the head of a you know a boardroom mm-hmm. and have the whole room be like I think this guy knows what he's talking about mm-hmm. right yeah if you do you're probably not gonna talk like this yeah right you'll probably come up and say listen I feel confident enough to expose my vital organs and pull my shoulders back mm-hmm. yeah. right from that position suddenly it's like okay cool it's 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 always sending these messages but it's not one is better or worse they just arrive you at different locations. They're appropriate for different scenarios. I think the problem, and when we're talking about better or worse in the context of Mirna's question here, quite often is we establish one of those default pulse postures. And so it's like, hey, if I'm mopey 16 hours a day, yeah. it's not that that is bad. It's just not ideal for all 16 hours and throughout it, it, the day. That mopiness actually allows you to communicate to people that are feeling sad. Uh, yeah, so th- that it's would be the benefit a of tool. It. Yes. 
So if you are a person that really knows mopey, uh-huh. when you come off of another person that feels like really bad, if you're just like, I've just always like permanent awesome, bro. Hey, like, why are you so sad? <laughs> like that person's like, I hate you and I feel worse. Thank you. <laughs> you talked about walking a bit before we get to, to JP's question here. You mentioned some sort of discount code. Ryan and I don't do any advertising anyway. So if you want to give a discount code yeah, for the yeah, Align yeah. Method videos and stuff, we'll, yeah, we'll put I a link give to it in the show. You. Yeah, just if you give us any code, we'll, we'll include that in this. So we'll, we'll make it and we'll give people on this 50% off of the program, which will go through all this stuff. Okay. And so it'll be alignpodcast.com slash minimalist. Okay. Minimalists. Yeah. Plural. Minimalists. Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> minimalists. For now. Yeah. For Thank now. you so much for that. <laughs> We're yeah. potting to the death. This is going to be a fight to the death one day. All right. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, uh, you guys can use that. Ryan and I don't get anything for that. We're not advertising, but want to give uh, Aaron the opportunity to talk about that and also so give much. you the opportunity to uh, to take advantage of that. Thank you. Um, JP has a question for us. What are the benefits of frequent short walks versus ones that are fewer with longer intervals? Mm, that's great. Well, your body is, so this would come back to a lot of research. One particularly would be a researcher called Joan Vernicos from NASA. Um, she was there, she was studying the health of astronauts in space for something like 40 years. I've also done a podcast with her as well. Um, and she, what she found with astronauts was having regular bouts of movement was vastly more supportive for the health and wellness of the astronauts than mm. doing like blowout, you know, super workouts oh, wow. for two hours yes. and then just floating into an infinity for the rest of the day. So think of your body, your body, you know, essentially, ultimately your body is a bunch of water bags. Yes. Right. That's mm. what your muscles are. It's what your organs are. Like most of you're just a bunch of water being contained by connective tissue, which mm. is also mostly water. Yeah. You know, and so you've heard I've heard Zach Bush, uh, Dr. Zach Bush even talk about how he he has a theory that our memories are stored in the water in our bodies, not in our brain. Yeah, it gets into like the, like the like yeah. the emoto the emoto stuff of of um thoughts and different types of music and sensation and like the sensation of love compared to hate changing the the water the crystalline structure of water. That's right. Particularly when it gets frozen. Um there's also contention around that stuff. I don't know, yes. but it probably it feels right. Yeah. You know. Um, well, what was I talking about? I got excited about <laughs> Sorry, I, I interrupted. We're talking about walking. And, and walking! Yeah, yeah. So, so you're a bunch of water bags. You know, so if you, if you were, when I was a kid, I, I wanted to I told you you were a water bag. Right? Wanted, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> when I was a kid, I wanted to be a landscape architect. So I was building ponds. I was a big, oh, wow. big, big pond guy. Uh, what a great like passion to cultivate. Anyway. I was, I was all about it. Yeah. yeah. I would just sit by my pond in my backyard, like for hours it was so great and there was frogs it was like a whole thing it was good yeah, times that's cool but the way that you have a healthy pond is you have a a pump that's adequate to fit the amount of gallons of water in that pond right so that's the first thing and then you have that waterfall going freaking all the time mm -hmm. oh you yeah. don't just a healthy pond isn't just like one like like blow out just put some pool shock in there every session. once in a while <laughs> <laughs> and it's not stagnant either right yeah. you know so yeah. a healthy pond has regular circulating mm. movement yeah right so in your body a healthy cell which is pretty much a pond you know or a healthy organ has regular manual twisting turning mm. up down in out it just gets 
these subtle little massages throughout the day. And so when there's the the buildup of old stagnant fluids, it says, okay, building, 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 ah, release. The way that you circulate lymphatic fluid is through muscular contraction. Mm. So if you are standing for a while, you're sitting on a plane, you start to get cankles. Mm. You you have this buildup of lymph and all of a sudden your ankles look like big and ugly. Mm -hmm. You know, ugly is a relative word, subjective. I apologize for that, but they look big, distasteful Mm -hmm. for most most people's (laughs) subjective lens. Um, You know, that's literally a buildup of this fluid that Mm. if you had just turned the waterfall on Mm. and done a little circulation, you'd never have that backing up. So you can visually see it in your ankles. Mm. That's also happening everywhere else Uh internally. So just a little walk is such a beautiful thing because it's like, think if you have a rag and it's got some gunk on it, you clean some stuff off of the counter Mm. and then you want to rinse the rag out. The way that you rinse the rag out mm-hmm. is by you put some water on it and you twist the rag uh-huh. and then you maybe shake it out a little bit and it's like, oh, there's still some gunk. You put some water on it. You twist the rag. Mm-hmm. Yes. That is walking. Wow. Ah. Right? So that contralateral motion, contra opposite lateral side, every time I walk, my right hip extends back, my right shoulder comes back, and then I whew, elastically sling myself into the next position. Mm. That literally all of my organs, all of my connective tissue is going through that spiral rotation, twisting out the old gunk to bring in the new healthy fluid. Mm. That is health. Mm. And, and as little as 10 minutes, 15 minutes, like whatever you can do. Whatever you got. Is, yeah. And so, so my suggestion with like, with, you know, the Align method isn't so much, well, in the, in the program, we break down more specific actions, you know, mm-hmm. what people can do, but the book as a whole is more of a philosophy on how you engage with your body. Right? Yeah, it's not particularly prescriptive, which mm-hmm. I, no. I really appreciate. No, Although no. there are exercises that help you really es- essentially establish a deeper understanding. I would never have to go to a three-year-old and say, here are the, s- right. the squatting exercises yep. that you need to do because they would look at me like, I'm already squatting every day. What are you talking about? This isn't even an exercise. Yeah. But we've gotten so far away from that yeah. that you are essentially aligning us back to where we were when we back were Back to just being a four-year-old, old, yeah. you know, but yeah. with a car. Right, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's it. Yeah, it's yeah. good analogy. And so, but yeah. but the uh, so with the walking, for example, the same way the pull up bar just it's like you know a pull up bar invites you to hang. It's like you almost didn't need to do anything. It just being there, almost unnoticeably, you just kind of like oh, like my arms are over my head. Yeah, mm-hmm. like oh, I did a little swing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a do. You didn't have to like motivate. Yeah. It was there. You did it. Right. You know, and Mm -hmm. so with the walking thing, one of the healthiest things that a person can do for themselves, start to organize your meetings around taking a walk. Mm. If you have a bunch of calls, say, cool, I'm going to get out of my office on whatever floor I'm on, you know, and behind these windows that are blocking out a percentage of the, of the, 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 the spectrum of light. Yes. You know, and I'm breathing in this, this processed air from the air conditioning and the deionized air and bombarded by EMF and like all this Mm. different stuff. It's not bad. You just, it's just nice for your body to have the opportunity to go out and take a little break and just like absorb nature Mm -hmm. for one minute, five minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. Yes. And a beautiful time. If you have a call, you know, a meeting, whatever it is, start to make the culture of your business be more of like, oh, we're like a healthy culture. 
Yeah. It's 2022. Mm. Like a part of the culture, a part of our brand is we do things better. Yeah. A part of doing things better is we care about the health of the people that we work with. Uh-huh. A part of that is we need access to some nature. Yeah. So when we're doing our meeting, just a simple, simple thing would be like, hey, you want to just like walk around the block and yeah. talk about this stuff? Yeah. So it's, yeah. maybe if there's a grassy area, you could take your shoes off. Yeah, do a little yeah. grounding. Do some grounding yeah, as all well. That, yeah. All that stuff. And it, so it doesn't need to be this wily, okay, now you're Vivo, barefoot, five-finger toe guy. And, yeah. you know, you're doing like a like a deep lunge in the middle of like a wedding scenario. <laughs> it's like you're hanging out of trees. Like you right. can do all that stuff. Yeah. But it does not need to be like a heretic mm. situation. You don't need to be that crazy guy. Yeah, Like just, you can seamlessly infuse health inducing lifestyle choices without being this wily heretic yeah like you're just creating little moments during the day just little moments to be with nature it's interesting so i had covid a couple weeks ago and um everyone's everyone's sphincters clench up yeah i know right (sighs) (sighs) yeah i'm totally fine now but you know to to, to get some air moving through the house we opened up um our doors and like kind of creates this little wind tunnel yeah and it's amazing like so we keep the house at about 72 or 73, whether it's heat or air conditioning, right? Like that's just kind of where it usually falls with me and my wife. I open up the doors, turn the air off because, you know, pointless at that, at that point. And I remember sitting there, I'm like, man, it feels really good in here. It was like 78 degrees. And I'm like, it feels great. Mm-hmm. And it was, inter- it was just interesting. Cause I'm like, I don't know what the natural air, like how that I'm easier. I'm, I get easy. Uh, it's easier for me to acclimate towards a 78 or 77 degree temperature hmm. than when the doors are closed. Like it's got to be 72 or 73. I don't know w- hmm. what that means, but I just found it fascinating where I was sitting down. I'm like, oh, wow, like we should keep the doors open more often because this feels great. And then I look at the thermostat and it's, yeah, it's, it was definitely over 75 degrees. And I'm just yeah. like, oh, wow, like this feels better than the 72 degrees that we usually keep it at. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know why that would be exactly. I don't know either. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, part of that goes back to what you were talking about earlier, the stories we tell ourselves, right? Like yeah. it's supposed to be 72 degrees right. in order for me to be comfortable, yeah, right? And too. I mean, I think there's, we could like extrapolate some random, random, seemingly disparate connections that might somehow make sense with that. Like one, <laughs> one example is um, having access to nature with, particularly this was done in um, Pennsylvania, University of Pennsylvania, when it was, they were studying patients in the hosp- in a hospital post gallbladder surgery. Mm. And the uh, they were studying people that had access to a window to be able to see out and just like see some trees, you know, just basic, like I could just see outside. Yeah. Versus people that didn't have access to being able to just see outside. Mm-hmm. And what they found is people that having access to nature just visually, just looking, like, yeah. like the nature is just touching their eyes. <laughs> they're not even out. <laughs> like that. They're not even right. in the nature. Yeah. It's just touching their eyes. Um, they have they need less uh, pain medication, wow. so their their tolerance to pain increases, um, and they ended up being released from the hospital. I think it was on average two days earlier. That's amazing. So just you touching the eyes with your or the, the nature with your eyeballs. Mm, yeah, like you don't even need to be in the nature. Right. It's just you know it's there. Yeah. It literally causes your body to upregulate and say like, I think everything's gonna be okay. Wow. Wow. That's cool. And yeah. so perhaps there could be some connection in that of like, okay, well, I touch the nature with my eyes. You're touching the nature with your, yeah. your other senses, yeah, right. your skin, you yeah. know, you're, you're hearing the nature, you feel different. You're like an air conditioned air. I'm not like, I don't have a lot of depth on this, so I don't want to bullshit, but it does something to the air, deionizes the air. It's like, makes it like less nutritious in a way. Mm. Talk to somebody that knows more about that, yeah. but it makes the air 
more garbage. Yeah, I could. I can short. Yeah. Well, no, I know. Like when I have compared to going outside, compared to like that sensation of breathing air by a waterfall. Mm-hmm. Like there's a different yeah. imprint in that. Yes. Like you walk along the beach and you take a breath in. And, yeah. <sighs> I apologize for not having the science to give you like this this amazing in depth explanation visceral, of that. There's a but there's a visceral just difference. feel into it with yeah. yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a difference there. 100%. And there's somebody else that has more research about that. Yeah, if you, oh, you want to look it up yourself, I'm going to see if I can like yeah look into that because there's something like with the AC in my car versus the windows down. It's a different feeling. There's a different visceral feeling that happens with that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's wrap up with uh, at least this maximal episode. We'll wrap up uh, with Deborah's question. What strength exercises do you recommend to keep aging bodies strong? Mm, okay. Um, well, one thing would be um, interval training, you know, so doing small bouts with regularity, you know, so going in and, and doing like, uh, you could do um, really any kind of like weightlifting type thing, but not doing long distance aerobic stuff quite so much. Hmm. Um, long distance aerobic stuff ends up being a bit more problematic for hormones. You know, so going through and doing like like that like death march, you know, and you're like exercising over and over and over again. You're doing, you know, getting all your steps wrapped up into one go. And you come back and you feel depleted. You're like, oh my god, um, that's going to be a little bit more problematic for the body from a hormonal perspective than doing like introducing some weightlifting stuff in there. If you're going to go for a run, um, do like I said intervals. So maybe do like a little mini sprint or just like higher cadence. You know, mm-hmm. so maybe run seventy percent full out. You know, and then take a little break, take mm. a little walk, and then do, you know, pick some some distances in between two trees, do a little run, run to that tree, take a little break, take a little walk, which once again, that would make sense because that replicates, you know, a lot of what we would do from an ancestral perspective. Right. Yeah. Not to say there's anything wrong with running. There's nothing wrong with running, but running is a very, you know, it's a complex activity, you know, and so I think that that's... The barrier to entry, not that the question was about running, but just comparing doing like more higher intensity interval type work compared to doing the slow endurance thing. I think the barrier to entry, it feels safer to do the slow, gradual thing. Okay, I'm going to work out. So I'm just going to go do this for 45 minutes. Mm. It feels safer, but in fact, it actually is much more dangerous, Mm. you know, because you're gradually building up stress on the joints from moving through disadvantageous or mechanically unsound positions over and over and over and over again you know so for aging and longevity um high intensity interval training and high intensity is a relative word you know so high intensity for you Uh uh-huh yeah and that could be as simple as body weight exercises absolutely with push-ups pull-ups squats those sorts of things and introducing weight training into your into your um life you know and that, that could be um, a couple of just a, a light barbell and doing some lunges or doing mm-hmm. some squats, having a coach, you know, that's what we break down. We break down in the book. We also have, you know, obviously I have, I have tons of videos and stuff online about how to do this stuff effectively. Mm. Like form really matters a lot, mm. you know, so ha- having a coach or someone spots you or, you know, reading a book, breaking down, like how do we, exactly do we do this? Mm-hmm. But that weight bearing activity is going to be helpful with sending the signal through your bones and through your connective tissue that it's time to get more dense. Mm. You know, so every time that we're exposed to any type of mechanical stimulus, which i.e. us standing on the floor right now, there's pressure against our feet. 
if I pick something up off of the ground, I do a little deadlift or I just pick a tennis ball up off of the ground. I'm bearing load through these various different joints in my body that sends an electrical stimulus into those places, which causes these cells in the body to either uh, tear tissue down or build tissue up around that area. So all day long, by you exposing yourself to pressure or to weight, it's sending the signal to those places, those joints, those connective tissues, those bones, saying, okay, build back stronger. Or mm. if you're just resting all the time, those connective tissues, those bones, those joints, they say, okay, we can kind of like clear this out because mm. we don't need to be that strong. So the key to longevity is exposure. You need to keep exposing. That's really important. Mm. It makes a lot of sense, especially as we as we age, we tend to lift fewer things. Yep. We do less movement in yeah. time. We become more and more sedentary. Yep. And it's not out of necessity. It's just out of uh, the sort of cultural demand on us to move becomes the, less and less. And the narrative that we tell ourselves. Right. Yeah. You know, like I work with um, clients like one-on-one on occasion. And when we're picking up weights, like a, like a, a trainer... You know, I think like the polite thing to do is like, okay, cool. Like I'll get the weights. I'll put them back and all that stuff. I'm like, okay, that big heavy weight, like you get that one. I'm going to get these little guys because you're here to do the work. Right. Like you're, you're paying me to formulate this system ultimately for you to effectively do work. Mm. Right. So while you're picking up that weight, that really heavy weight and you're putting it back on the thing, you're paying attention. Okay. How do I get up and down off of the ground to grab that weight? How am I walking with the weight? How am I using my breath with the weight? So starting to invite yourself. So that would be the first answer is kind of a more of like a sterile, you know, fitness type answer. The second answer is introducing um, exposure to your life with regularity in the form of don't be afraid of cold temperatures. Don't be afraid of hot temperatures. Don't be afraid of the sun. (laughs) Like get the heck out there. The moment that you take yourself out of life your body and your mind, it starts to fold in. As long as you say, no, 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 like I'm going to pick the weight up. Thank you very much. You know, like I know I'm a gal, you know, and I, it's a very, very, very chivalrous of you to like pick up my, my, my suitcase and put it in the thing. Mm -hmm. But I actually enjoy the sensation of hinging my hips back and using my intra-abdominal pressure for a second and breathing in and like that felt good. So, that's a philosophical perspective on fitness, changing the lens of the way that I perceive exercise mm-hmm. being the way that I inhabit myself all day long mm-hmm. and enjoying the process of doing work yeah. as opposed to continually trying to push work off to the side for somebody else to do or some machine to do. The outsourcing of work is at the root of the disease of, of, disease of modern culture. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. What a great way to put it. Well, Aaron, I want to acknowledge you. Thank you for writing this book. It's called The Aligned Method. We'll put a link to this in the show notes. Also, in your course, where else should we send folks to listen to you, see you? Everything's under Aligned Podcast. Okay. Um, Yeah. So if I host a podcast called The Aligned Podcast, Mm -hmm. um, at some point, it'd be great to have you guys on. I don't know if you guys said something of of interest. Yeah. Um, And... Instagram, Align Podcast. Okay. Yeah, AlignPodcast.com. We'll put a link to all of that in the show notes, patrons. Uh, we got so many more questions to talk to you about on the Minimal episode. We're going to record that right now after after a bathroom break. Patrons, thank you so much for being here. Yes, thanks, patrons. Love people. Use things. See you soon. See ya. 
Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. 